We are continuing our series through Hebrews. This is just our second week in Hebrews. And continually we see this theme in the book of Hebrews of Jesus being better, superior, greater, uh, really than everything. Uh, This morning we're finding that Jesus is better than angels. And, And we may not be tempted to think about angels much at all, really. Uh, and certainly not tempted to think that Jesus is better, or not better, that they're better. Um, but I think there's still something for us to learn here, and there are other things that we uh, get distracted by. The, the reality is that that's uh, what we experience regularly, is that we're distracted by other things. Uh, hopefully, if you've been in this church at all, you, uh, for any period of time, you know that Jesus is the thing that we gather around. To worship him, to be in relationship with him. To, to look to him for his grace and mercy in our lives and uh, to find that there is nothing better, but we're distracted all the time. I have this very distinct memory of not long after we moved to Denver, Colorado, our kids were maybe two, four, and six, and we went up into the mountains, and uh, I, I believe my parents were in town, and uh, because of kids and because probably wasn't acclimated to the altitude. We weren't doing a big hike. We caught the, in the summer, caught the chairlift to the top of Copper Mountain so that we could have this, this view of the mountains. And it was beautiful, right? And one of the things that I, I kept being struck by is my kids were looking at the rocks and playing with the rocks, uh, probably throwing them, uh, maybe some at each other. Nobody got hurt bad. Uh, you know, kids get hurt, right? But uh, nobody got hurt bad. Uh, but they just kept looking at the rocks and paying attention to the rocks. And I was like, look at this view, right? I mean, those rocks, they look the same at the bottom of the mountain. And they look the same at our house. But stop paying attention to the, to the rocks and look at this amazing view. And it was beautiful, right? And, and the reality is we always get distracted by other things, by the rocks. Or, you know, one of the things that we regularly get distracted by is our phones, right? Um, they're, they're all kind of, I mean, I just heard statistics that Libby heard in class this week, something like seven hours a day for teenagers uh, looking at screens, uh, more than seven hours a day. I mean, that's just, that's insane. Um, I had to take Instagram, I mean, but it's, it's adults too, right? I had to take Instagram off my phone because I would just scroll through the reels, which was just such a waste of time, right? Uh, there's nothing really of great value there. If it's really good, somebody will text it to me, right? Like, you got to see this video. Um, So uh, I I took it off my phone because I was distracted by it. But this is true in just the way that we're distracted with our time. There's all kinds of things that, uh, some that don't have any value, some that have value that distract us, that distract us from Jesus. And what we find here is this discussion of angels. It's not saying that angels don't matter, And we're actually going to spend a little bit of time talking about why angels are a a big deal. Um, But that Jesus is better than that. And we we could actually say, we could fill in the blank with anything and say Jesus is better. We're going to look at three points to understand this passage. The first is we're going to look at the angels, and then we're going to look at Jesus, and then we're going to look at us. So angels, Jesus, and us. Uh, Let me pray. Lord, I, I pray that you would... Open our hearts and our minds to experience and see you as better than anything else. Meet us here in this time. Do that work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Angels. Why are we making a big deal of angels? What's, what, what, this is not something that we think about, right? And, and partly because our, our view of, of angels is, is pretty skewed. I mean, first of all, we recognize uh, as a church, the, the Bible recognizes that there are spiritual forces uh, at work in the world. So angels are real and they work in the world. And in a lot of ways that we don't fully understand. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to spend much time in this passage, doesn't spend time talking about, okay, how you're going to experience angels. I don't have any of those particular answers right now in this point in redemptive history. But the Bible is clear that angels even now are uh, at work in, in the world. That angels exist. There are spiritual things that are happening uh, in this world. And, and as we looked at uh, Proverbs, uh, that series recently, uh, was this recognition that there are spiritual forces at work in the world, that there are things that God has uh, called us to as the creator of the world, not only the, the physical world that absolutely matters, but also the spiritual world, and those two things, they fit together. And so it, that is just one of the things that we, you know, out of the gate, angels are, are real, there are spiritual forces and beings at work in the world, including Jesus and, the, and God, the creator of the world, and, uh, and, and those are the things that we we talk about as a church, and those are the things that, that we say, because Scripture says, because the creator of the universe says, matters more than anything else. And, and angels throughout Scripture are these beings that are incredibly powerful, with, and they do significant things uh, in people's lives, and in this redemptive historical story that God is working from the beginning uh, to the end. They are not ever in the Bible, you know, little babies with wings, or just these cute figures. I think about when I was in uh, elementary school, big deal every year, Christmas uh, pageant, Christmas concert celebration. And uh, it was, there was the choir and, uh, and there was a lot of practice and I didn't really like to sing. I didn't think I'm still not good at singing. Uh, and I looked for opportunities to get out of it. So actually all four years of the upper school, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I ended up with a part. The, the sixth grade was, was my best part. Sixth grade, I was a door. Uh, literally a piece of cardboard, friend of mine who was also a door, has a picture of it, door of the end, get knocked on, go like this, like this. That was, that was, and I, even then I realized that it was both silly and awesome. Uh, that was the best part. I was a shepherd in the fifth grade and fourth grade, I was an angel. And I wore like this pink robe and they put like rosy cheeks on me and I had a halo. Uh, I, I mean, I was adorable, right? Like fourth grade me. Uh, no, I, th- but that's, that's like how we think of, that's in culture today. Those are, that's what comes to mind, the little babies with wings or angels. That is not at all what the biblical picture of angels is. It is one of intense glory, so much so that almost every time an angel appears to somebody, they have to say, wait, 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 don't, don't be afraid. Uh, we, we just a few weeks ago looked at the story in Luke chapter 2 where the angels appeared to the shepherds to tell them about the birth of Jesus, and they were, New King, or King James, sore afraid, right? Like they're terrified, and the angels have to say, no, 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 don't be afraid. They are these majestic beings, and they do amazing things. And we see some of it here even in this passage. This, is, this passage is not saying that angels don't matter, or they're not a big deal, or powerful, or, or have their own sense of glory to them. No, the, the argument is Jesus is actually better, but it doesn't downplay 
who the angels are. And even as it's talking about the different ways uh, that, that Jesus is eternal and unchanging, they're actually changeable, verse 7. The description is that he, God, makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So he's saying, you know, Jesus is better. He doesn't change like them. But in, in, this, in the same description, the angels are like wind and they're changed into flames of fire. There's this powerful, mysterious picture of who they are. They, they do these really important things. In, in verse 14, are not all ministering spirits, spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. They serve in incredible ways. And the original hearers of this letter slash sermon slash written sermon here that, that uh, the writer is given to them, the original hearers of this uh, would have known those stories in their minds, all the places where, where angels showed up in the history of God working among his people, and he served them in powerful ways. Hagar in despair in the wilderness, not knowing what to do, and an angel saying, uh, here, I have a plan for you. There is uh, this, the saving of both, really, Abraham and Isaac, uh, when the angel shows up and, and saves Abraham from killing his son and saves Isaac from being killed. Here's this provision. It comes from the word and voice of an angel. We have Elijah in the wilderness, burnt out in desperate need, and the angel shows up and brings hope. We have Daniel in the lion's den and an angel shutting the mouths of the lions. We have Joseph who learns that his betrothed is pregnant with the son of God and he doesn't know what to do with it. An angel shows up and brings truth and peace. We have an angel showing up to announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds that we already talked about. We have angels showing up to minister to Jesus in the wilderness or in the garden uh, in these desperate moments. We have an angel showing up to free Peter from prison or an angel to bring peace to, to Paul in the midst of imminent shipwreck. I mean, there, there are these moments where angels are doing really big, powerful things. And, and sometimes we need to be reminded of this, particularly as we're seeing this argument, Jesus is better. It's actually helpful for us to remember how great angels were. And it was also a part of Jewish tradition affirmed by both Stephen preaching in Acts chapter 7 and Paul in Galatians chapter 3 that the angels were the ones who delivered the revelation of God, him speaking to his people. So last week we talked about Chapter 1, verse 1, long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And it was held that that tradition, that the law and the prophets, was delivered through angels. Again, affirmed in the New Testament. And so the angels are delivering God's revelation of himself to his people. And, and they would have thought of nothing more important than that. And this incredible value of the word of God. Angels are glorious beings. So much so that, in fact, that, that John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, and spent time with Jesus himself, and then receives revelation about what's going to happen in the end, and writes the book of Revelation, he's, hear, he's hearing and seeing these amazing visions, and he's getting them from an angel. And, and he gets these amazing visions, and they're about Jesus, they're about the Son of God, but the angel is so glorious and powerful that he's tempted to worship. Last book of the Bible, last chapter of that book, 
Revelation 22, verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, that amazing revelation. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. Some translations, don't do that. I mean, you, you, I, I can't even imagine the, the, the force which, which the angel might have said, hey, no, no, you're, you're missing it. Because he goes on to say, I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Jesus, the one who's coming back, that's, he is talked about in the Revelation. He's better than the angel, but it's not a downplaying of the angel. So, what does that mean for us? Because the reality is, is we're not probably tempted to think of angels much at all, much less as this pivotal, central point to our lives. But there are all kinds of things, and some of them you know, are just a waste of time, scrolling through the reels. But there are a lot of really good things that we might be, begin to think are more important than Jesus, or at least to live that way. We might talk about them as functional gods. And sometimes they, they might be directly related to our faith, but sometimes not. Maybe it's our, our, our families, you know, a good family relationship, a good marriage. Or we're hoping for that right person. That becomes the thing that, that drives us. Or, or in our culture today, and what we would call a very therapeutic culture that says that the thing that's wrong with the world is bad feelings and that the answer is actually good feelings, we might call it happiness or whatever, but pursuing that happiness, that's the thing that matters the most. If, if it makes you feel better, if it puts away those things, and legitimately bad things. So let's, let's also recognize that the Hebrews here are experiencing this crisis of faith because they're having an incredibly difficult time. We, we learn later that they're being persecuted, not yet to the point of death, but it's, it's not good. And so they're starting to have these questions and doubts, and that's in this moment of them experiencing really hard things, not happiness, as we might define it, particularly in a, in a culture where we have a lot, where, where it's much easier to be comfortable, that that is easier for it to become our functional God, being happy, being comfortable. But, but maybe it's, you know, it's, it's biblical or church things, right? So the Bible talks a lot about justice and, and care for justice. It talks a lot about mercy and caring for our neighbors. It, it talks about, there is, it's filled with theology. And so we, we get this, this vision of having right or good theology or caring about the sanctity of life and all of life and the ways in which that plays out. And every single one of those things, the Bible says, these are really important things. They, they matter, but they flow from Jesus because Jesus is better than all of them. What's the thing that we're tempted to, to put in this position of more important or think that it's better or pursue it more than Jesus himself? Because what the writer of Hebrews here is telling us is Jesus is better than that. And we could put anything in that category. The angels mattered. They are important. But Jesus is better. We could come up with a long list of these things matter. They are important. But Jesus is better, and even as those things matter, they flow from who Jesus is and relationship with him. That the angels are subordinate to him. And we need to just have that reality. We need to sit with that reality that all of the things that we might care about and should care about, that they're all subordinate to Jesus himself. Jesus is better. That's the second point. Who is Jesus? 
How does the writer here in chapter 1 and 2 talk about who Jesus is? Because we quickly turn away. We think that we need more in any of those lists that, that I talked about or anything that pops in your head or anything that you haven't even thought about yet that we're tempted to. They, they draw us away from Jesus because we're looking for something shinier sometimes. So one of those videos that might show up on a Reels, somebody did send me. Uh, and it's a guy named Josh Mancuso. And I, w- I had actually seen some of his videos. He, they're, they're mostly, it's him, and he wears something different, and he kind of has a conversation. Uh, it's like it's different people. He's playing different people. And he's having conversations about the ones that I saw were, how do we choose a mascot for these college football teams, right? So as an Auburn fan who are the Tigers and cry War Eagle, it gets pretty silly, right? These conversations, and they're pretty humorous. Um, but there's one that was sent to me that he's there, there's three of them, and they're having this conversation. And he says, okay, we're the, uh, we're the Christmas committee, and, and we've been assigned the task of coming up with a character to represent Christmas. And so one of the guys says, well, wouldn't that be Jesus in a, in a manger? And the guy goes, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, but we're looking for something a little more exciting. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, no. The, the creator of the universe, immaculately becoming a human and later on, sacrificing his life to save all of mankind and becoming the sole focus of human history as well as the source from which we drive all hope, love, peace, and joy. It's probably not. No. And the other guy says, well, yeah, I'm just uh, spitballing here, but what if we had a fat guy in a red suit and he flies around the whole world in one night with magic deer? Uh, yeah, that's, and then there's a, it launches into this whole thing about, about Santa, right? And, uh, and there's a silliness. It's, it's a pretty funny video. So Josh Mancuso, you should look it up. Um, But there's also a reality to this is exactly what we do. We need something more exciting than Jesus because he's not enough. And and I'll I'll talk about a few reasons in a moment where I I think that we we tend to to think that he's not enough. uh, And some of them uh, totally make sense. But but what we find here is that there is this argument that the writer of Hebrews is making here and writing and, and making for the rest of the book of Hebrews and really all of scripture that, that Jesus is, is better than all of that. Including, as we talked about last week, all of the revelation of God in, in the Old Testament, which matters and, and, and you can't understand Jesus without understanding that, but Jesus is, is, is better than that. And he himself tells us in Luke chapter 24 that all of that is actually about him. It's actually pointing to and looking toward him. And so... We find here, then, there's this comparison, and there's just these pictures of who Jesus is, the fact that he is greater. His name is greater. In verse 5, he's called God's son, and the angels are not called that. There's this deep, personal, intimate relationship, and we're getting at the Trinity here, and some of the depth of that, which uh, we won't, again, as we did in last week, do the deep dive there. I will continue to suggests the resource of delighting in the Trinity. It's not a very long book. And it just gives the, the beauty of that doctrine. Not like we got to get it right. Uh, here's the illustration that gets it perfectly. But uh, the beauty that he is the son of God, that they have this eternal relationship. The angels are not in that situation. He has a, he has a greater name in being God's son. He has greater dignity. Again, we see this is Jesus is better, verse 6. And when he brings the first, his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And that's a really big deal if you recognize how great the angels are. 
that, that they actually inspire and, and tempt people to worship them. They're so great, and yet they worship Jesus, that he, his dignity is greater. His status is greater. And remember, again, their status is great and powerful. But he is the one who reigns and rules, and, and he is unchanged, verse 7 through 12, really. He changed, the angels change. He makes his angels winds and flames of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He goes on to talk about being anointed with the oil of gladness beyond all your comparisons. He has this greater joy, this everlasting joy that, uh, that is who he is, and it is everlasting creation. The work of the heavens will, be, will perish, but you Jesus will remain. Creation will be worn out like a garment. They'll be like a robe rolled up, like a garment will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. I mean, the things that are saying, like we almost can't even comprehend this picture of who Jesus is. Everlasting, including everlasting joy, verse 9. His function is greater. He reigns and rules, verse 13 and 14. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And and he is, again, the one who reigns and rules over these magnificent beings. And it does make the fact that he serves us, and we'll see more of that coming in the rest of Hebrews, that he sacrifices and serves, serves us all that much greater because of his position. He still serves. The, the, the angels themselves were ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. But that's their role. God is, Jesus is the one who is great and mighty and reigning and ruling, and yet he deigns to serve us. It makes it all the greater. He's better than everything else. And we're invited to worship him. And we're invited to worship him because we're invited into this relationship with him. That we, that we see that the Holy Spirit comes to us and brings us gifts, chapter 2, verse 4. This is part of being in relationship with him. We're gathered into his family. And, and we think about this. Jesus isn't just an add-on. What, whatever those things are, Jesus is the thing from which all else flows. And we should care about all those things. We should, those things that I mentioned, relationships and, and family and life, and mercy, and justice, and community. I think often in our circles, that can become a big one, right? Like that the church is there just to serve uh, as our community because people are nice and they care for us. But community isn't the end. Community is the thing that flows from being connected to Jesus. It's the first and foremost of the things that we should be seeking. He is because he's greater than everything else. So Jesus is greater but what does that then mean for us? So if the angels are this great and Jesus is greater than that, what, what are the implications for us? Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1 starts off with therefore. And Bible study 101 says when there's the word therefore, we ask, what is it therefore? Why is it there? What is, what's it saying? It's, it's saying because of this, because of that which came before, this is what it means. So because Jesus is greater than the angels, angels are great, but because Jesus is greater, therefore it means that that we should pay much closer attention to what we have heard, 
lest we drift away from it. All this message about who Jesus is, this gospel truth, the good news of Jesus and what it means for us, we should pay attention to it. We should hold it dearly. I don't know if you have uh, seen the show Antiques Roadshow on PBS. It's where uh, folks bring in these different items, antiques, and they have them uh, evaluated, assessed by experts. So, you know, for younger folks, it's like a real uh, pawn stars, the way that works. You know, you bring in uh, something to the pawn shop and they tell you, and it's all apparently staged. And this is like real people bringing stuff and having it assessed by experts. And so there's this one, like, you should look up the clip. It's a a Navajo blanket, and Ted brings it in. And Ted brings in this Navajo blanket, and, uh, and he has had it. It's been in his family for years. He goes on to explain that it was laid at the foot of the bed when he went to his grandmother's. And, uh, you know, if he would get cold, they would pull the blanket up on him and it would, it would warm him. And then he had it later. He ended up with it later and it hung on the back of like uh, a chair uh, in his den. And he brings it in. It's all hung up. And, and the guy's like, Ted, I, I don't know if you realize what you got here. Did, did you notice that when you first brought this in, I, I stopped breathing for a moment. And Ted's like, I did notice that. He says, what you have here is this Navajo chief blanket from the 1860s, and it's some of the original uh, Navajo artwork. And it's just stripes. It's before they brought in all the diamonds and all of that. And this is a national treasure. And, uh, and he goes on to explain more about it. And he says, uh, on a bad day, you would get $350,000 for this blanket. And apparently, they go on to talk about his family has been poor for, like, generations. And he is not a wealthy person. And this is, like, the kind of money that, you know, changes your your life. So imagine when Ted leaves and he takes that blanket with him, does he treat it any differently than he did when it was hanging on the back of his chair where any number of things could have been spilled on it over the years? Now that he knows it's worth $350,000 at least, does he treat it differently? Yes, the answer is yes. He absolutely treats it differently. And so we're constantly challenged to say, like, okay, this is who Jesus is. There's nothing greater. He's the creator of the universe. He's the son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He reigns and rules. He's not, he, he never changes. Does it matter how we think about him and relate to him when he's inviting us into a relationship with him? Absolutely it should. So there's this call, even a challenge to pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Really, this is kind of a warning. It goes on to describe it as neglecting our salvation in verse 3. Salvation, this relationship with him that is offered the forgiveness of our sins, being drawn into that which is greater than everything else. There's there's a call away from a warning about what we have commonly called deconstruction. Now, I've noted before that there are actually healthy ways to deconstruct because uh, we often carry a lot of our own baggage with the church. But this idea of deconstructing faith completely so that we end up with nothing, there's a warning here. That's not a healthy place to be. Are there moments, 100%, when we need to deconstruct our experience of our faith for all kinds of reasons? Yes, whether it's we've been given bad theology or we've been 
heaven forbid, and unfortunately this happens all the time, there's been abuse in the church, and that's often connected to our experience of faith in God. Yes, but the call is to come back to Jesus in those moments. The call is to, to not neglect him, to focus on, on him and who he is, and to be drawn into to him. And what we find throughout Hebrews is that that means we do that with the people of God. It's not something that we just, it's not just me and Jesus. That he's experienced in his church. Again, we'll see more of that through Hebrews. All of scripture, there's, there's no category for just me and Jesus individually uh, in scripture. Now, yes, there is relationship, me and Jesus, but it's always in the context of me and Jesus and his church and the people of God. So the question does, I've already gotten at it a little bit. What are reasons that we neglect our salvation or don't pay much closer attention to who Jesus is? This beauty that we've tried. And and maybe it's uh, bad experiences that we've had that we need to address and deal with and and, and ask what's going on there. Uh, but, But I think we need to draw who Jesus is and what he calls his people to out of our bad experiences or our terrible teaching or relationships or whatever it might be. But we also deal with just doubts. I mean, again, the Hebrews were having this crisis of faith. What does this mean for me? Let's actually talk about and think about and address those things. Let's not just uh, neglect it and forget about it. Because often what happens, particularly now in our culture, that, that celebrates deconstruction is if we don't think about it, if we don't address it, if we don't uh, ask these questions uh, with, with others here in, in the body of Christ, then the, the, the way that we're being taught or discipled even, even though it's not called that, is, is to reject and to turn away from those. That, that's just the flow of our culture. And so we need to be aware of that in order to, to not neglect. But we, that doesn't mean that we just uh, dismiss doubts and don't talk about them. And we talk about regularly. Let's, let's, what, are, what are the questions? Let's talk about those things and think about them and address them. Other reasons that we neglect is we're just busy. Uh, Jesus is just too familiar. We, we don't think about him and his greatness. It's just uh, maybe it's something I grew up with. If I grew up in the church and yeah, yeah. I, I, I think about this, like, so this is, I, I share this with a little trepidation. This is not an indictment of anybody uh, that was here for this. My, in my community group, we're talking about habits that we're going to uh, create for the new year. And what I experienced in that moment of like, okay, what's a new habit that I want uh, to, uh, to, to practice in my life? Is I, I feel a little bit silly giving the, like I'm the pastor I don't want to just give the pastor church answer. That feels a little bit silly, right? Uh, that, I feel like that's my mind and my cynicism working. But we should, in our community groups, and even in just relationship, we should, be want, we should want to have conversation to encourage one another to move toward Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about habits that we can create to not neglect our salvation and move to him because there's nothing greater but we feel this hesitancy because it feels, oh, that's just the Sunday school answer. It feels trite. These are the, the things that come into my own mind. I don't, I don't know if these are things that, that, that you think, but that's where my mind goes, right? Oh, he's just the pastor. Of course he's going to say that thing. But I, I want to know Jesus more. I need to know him more. I need to experience him and his greatness more than anything else. And I'm distracted all the time by other things. And I want you guys to have those conversations with me and I want to have them with you even when there is uh, things that distract us and move us away. 
So let's do that together. Let's do it individually and together. Let's read our Bibles and pray and worship together. Uh, let's the Sunday school that we're offering now. We're going to, uh, Dan was, you didn't miss anything because Dan got the COVID and he wasn't here to teach it, but he's going to be teaching about life everlasting and uh, new creation and what is to come. Join us for that. That's for the adults. And we have Sunday school for the kids. Like, Let's listen to podcasts. There are a lot of good podcasts out there. Out there. Let's talk about it with one another. Let's pray. All kinds of practical ways which we can pursue Jesus and pay much closer attention to that which we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And all this comes as we just trust in him. That's the beauty of the good news. It's not like, okay, it's not I'm saying, please don't hear. Get it together. Jesus is greater. What are you doing? No, that, that's never what the scripture is saying either. It's saying Jesus is offering himself and his own gifts. This is his work that we can just trust in and rely on. He's offering himself that we can look to him and trust in him. That's the invitation. And there's no greater invitation. There's no greater promise than the one who is greater than everything else is saying, here I am. And I've done this work for you. I've sacrificed myself for you, that we can have relationship with the, the greatest of all. Let's pray.